Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Histories of the Unexpected. Now, one of the things that we've started to do is to take a break from discussing our unexpected historical topics. A very short break. A very short break. um, To do a series on how to be a historian. Yes. Which um, we found more and more people are really interested in. And as professional historians, one of our missions is to get as many people involved in the discipline of history as possible. Um, so this is part four of yeah. this mini-series. And um, what we wanted to talk about was history for children. Our last one was on museums yeah. and where to take your children to teach them about the past. And this is more about learning at home and reading, it's about children's history books. We've done an array of things in the first three. We've talked about how the kind of history we do, how we got interested in history, that kind of thing, and how you interest children. And so we were just rifling through bookshelves of our kids and thinking, you know, there is so much great material out there that makes history exciting and accessible for kids you know, um, so I think I think we're living in a golden age, about that. a golden age oh, of kids' totally, history. Totally. I mean, I've I've been into schools at the primary and secondary level, and kids are excited and yeah. obsessed with history. Do you think they always have been? Do you think this is a kind of a new engagement of history? Are we doing I, something right? I was. I was obsessed with history, but then mm. I was probably a bit of a history nerd. Yeah. History is being written in a way that makes it much more exciting nowadays, yeah. and I think there's a phenomenon associated with. Um, horrible histories. Yes, uh, the books the and it book is some series, phenomenon. Absolutely brilliant. They're Terry Deary's um, brilliant book series, but also the TV series. Um, Greg Jenner uh, is involved in as historical consultant. True. Hello, Greg. Hello, Greg. Um, what are we looking at? Horrible histories. A frightful, uh, the frightful First World War. I bought my my daughter a box set of these for this Christmas. Oh, great! Uh, which includes what is it? The what, the First World War one. It's got the woeful Second World War, yeah. vile Victorians, slimy Stuarts, terrifying Tudors, ruthless Romans, measly Middle Ages, groovy Greeks, gorgeous Georgians, and awful Egyptians. And what it's done is it's taken those kind of um, key subjects that would be taught at school and made them really accessible and interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've got a slight problem with the marketing of it, saying it's history with the nasty bits left in. Like, I can, <laughs> I can show them lots of adult books which have got nasty bits left in. I mean, if you just, if you just open it, it, the way that it's written, and I recommend any parents or teachers who haven't got into this, uh, buy these for your kids. They are absolutely brilliant. It actually is really good history, packaged in a really 
accessible, interesting way. Well, I did some work at the SS Great Britain, and um, it's hmm. Brunel's Dumbing big iron, iron yeah. ship in, in Bristol, right? And it was a very significant ship from the 1840s, yeah. um, one of the earliest propeller-driven iron-built ships. Mm. It went through a huge renovation, and um, it was open to massive fanfare. It was all really exciting. And someone said to me, um, don't you think that you're just dumbing down the history it drove me nuts dumbing I, down is weird it's a, it's an odd it's an odd thing i don't know where it's this it's, it's an easy criticism that people throw at history um when you're trying to present it to a massive audience yeah, yeah. and i i suspect that it can be used as a criticism of children's history because you simply have to make it make it simple but I, i'm certain that it doesn't apply to horrible histories no no definitely not i mean dumbing down dumbing down is interesting i mean dumbing down for for me, it, I mean, it's a really sort of negative phrase. I mean, you are you are explaining something simply and clearly to a range of audiences who do not necessarily have the kind of historical training and vocabulary and concepts that a professional historian might. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. The duty of a, any historian is to be able to communicate something in an interesting and intelligible way. I think it's a very arrogant thing to it's say. It's a really arrogant thing. Far, far worse is the danger when what you do is you don't, it's not dumbing down, it's when you basically change history and you're not offering the truth as it happened, but you're putting a particular slant on it that has a particular political, religious, whatever kind of propagandist agenda. Mm. That's the danger. It's not the sort of... Well, one of those agendas can be entertainment, it. though, yeah, can't yeah, it? Yeah, and that's where yeah. these books can, you know, flirt with, with I mean, problems. There's, there's, I mean, I was just leafing through this one on the uh, example of a gas attack in Horrible History's Frightful First World War. And I think the thing there is, like, how do you convey to children something that was utterly, utterly horrific... Yeah, if you think about descriptions of the First World War... You've been reading some of these recently, I've been reading some of them recently for work that we've been doing, for something that we're going to be doing for Unexpected on the book, on clouds, so clouds of gas. If you have a think of um, Wilfred Owen's famous poem, Dulce et Decorum Est, where you've got these sort of battle-weary troops returning to the trenches, and then they're hit by this gas attack... And, you know, it talks about the froth-corrupted lungs. It's an image that just sort of, you know, stays with you, absolutely haunts you. Yeah. How do you how do you deal with that? You know, if we, how do you convey that to kids? And Horrible Histories are aimed at, you know, it's on children's BBC. It's aimed at a sort of broad range of kids. And in the book, this is how they deal with it. It's an order from army headquarters about how to, how to deal... <laughs> How to deal with a gas attack should you be without your proper uh, gas mask. And it says, if you are caught in a gas attack, number one, take out your handkerchief. Number two... I love the idea of soldiers having handkerchiefs. Yes. Yeah, I know. I never go into battle without my handkerchief. <laughs> <laughs> mummy, mummy has stitched my initials into the corner. So n- number one, take out your handkerchief. Number two, urinate into the material till it is soaked. So it's fully soaked. Um, and, and three... Tie it round your mouth and nose and breathe through it. I mean, it's a, it's something that actually happened, you know. And, and in, in a in a in a pinch, this is the kind of thing that you that you could have done. I mean, you probably would have wet yourself when a gas attack was happening anyway. So you you know, but put your trousers uh, around you, your mouth. You know, it's not it's not the it's probably not the first thing that you'd think about, no. is it? Calmly take out your handkerchief. your handkerchief, urinate on it. Um, 
you know, yes. In complete fear, shivering, cold, and, and mud. And but, there's a little picture of it here. The, I know. The, 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 what's great about this is that, you know, regardless of, of all the other stories in it or anything, they've all been chosen specifically because they're entertaining for children. Yeah, and I absolutely. have no problem with that at all. Absolutely. They not only have the book series, they have the TV series. They yeah. also have a magazine. Um, my five-year-old broke her her arm recently uh, when I... I, I it's your a, fault. Took me, my fault. Um, or uh, it was on my watch. Um, and uh, getting her plaster uh, changed recently, I thought to, to sort of um, while away the time, uh, make it less sort of boring and arduous, I would buy her a magazine. And she chose a Horrible Histories magazine. Uh, and it was great. Abs- and a five-year-old loved it. Yeah. So it's aimed at a young age as well. And I think the key here, it's about wrapping things up so that they are interesting and accessible for kids. Take, for example... And snapshotty. The, and snapshot. yeah, it's yeah. bite-sized. But this is a real problem with history generally. So so one of the things that all historians now will emphasise is how massively complex and messy history actually is. And it isn't as simple as that. So if you take that weed-on hanky as an example, then to pull it apart as a historian, you say, well, what do you do if you don't have your hanky? What happens if you're so dehydrated you haven't got any wee left? What if you're so cold you can't get your trousers down? What if your eyes have popped because of the gas and you can't see anything and you're screaming in agony? What, 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 what? And it becomes much massively more complicated. And what what did the Germans do? Was that the English? What did the French do? What did the Prussians do? What was the, what, you know... What was the actual response? What to are the it? moralities of this kind of chemical warfare when yeah. we see it happening? You know, yeah. and you, what was people's reaction today. to it? Now, would children? That's why really interesting. Um, if you think about the layers of history, would yeah. children in 1915 have been horrified by that? Going, oh, you're not going to wee on my hanky, no, or would they have gone like oh, that's completely reasonable? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's 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 a really really clever point. You know, at what point does it suddenly become, you know, amusing? Yeah. And what subjects do you can't imagine, you know, somebody making a joke about as horrific as the Holocaust. No. You know, I mean, that's just, a, you know, I mean. But it's also the kind of the reality of history as an academic subject and then the kind of the reality of, of the Holocaust, yes. yeah, for yeah, example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm doing a talk on pirates once. Yeah. And um, there was some entertaining story about Blackbeard setting fire to his beard or his yeah, face or, yeah. or or something. You know, it was a light-hearted story. And someone put their hand up and said, actually, I'd like to point out that I, I don't think you should be laughing. Pirates are a very serious problem yeah, off the coast yeah. of Africa and people are dying every day. Well, we, we, you know, I know, but it doesn't mean that history can't be entertaining yeah. and it can't be yeah, fun yeah, and everyone yeah. has to be boot-faced and sour yeah, yeah, when they yeah, talk yeah. about it. So yeah. my point is that the complexity of it all, the stuff that we find fascinating, can come later. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, 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 it, you yeah. know, it's, it's and you're aiming at you're aiming at it, kids. I mean, I, I, an example that that sort of springs to mind to make things accessible, what, but which is in, historically incorrect, is in the Usborne Book of the Romans, the tiny little Usborne so, um, wh- history wh- of the you, Romans. You might assume that Usborne are a reliable publisher. Yeah, and they do. They do. do. They do brilliant books. Um, they are the first port of call yeah. in bookshops. That's your entry into a particular topic, and. I remember reading with one of my kids the book on the Romans and 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 the vomitorium. Right. Yeah. You know, so the vomitorium is the room. I think we've spoken about this uh, in the past. Did uh, we the do vom- the history of vomit? We didn't do the history of vomit, but we should do the history of vomit. But uh, the vomitorium was, was apocryphally the room that people would go to when they left a banquet, having just sort of gorged themselves, right. that they would then throw up in order to then return to the banquet and continue drinking rich food and, and drinking sort of wonderful wine. It, apparently, it was an invention in the 19th century. Huh. 
um, as though it didn't exist. Yet it is in this book because kids will be interested in it. Mm, that's interesting. Um, that's a bit sinister. But it raises a very important question of who writes, who writes these yeah. really massively consumed yeah. books about history. And if someone's up there saying that the vomitorium... yeah. We're not saying they didn't purge themselves after eating no, too much, because no, I think no. that's true, isn't it? No. But there was a room called the Vomitorium. I think, you know, it proves to me that the Osborne History Book of the Romans was not written by a professional historian. Yeah, quite and probably. And it's worth thinking about that a lot of these um, widely accessible books that are often anonymously written are not written by peer-respected professional historians. And that's a big problem. Yeah. It's it's almost like the kids' market is often seen as a, as a slightly softer target, and yeah. and you, they can get away with all sorts of things as long as it's entertaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but certainly that's not the case with with horrible histories. No, 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 they, no, no. They, their, their stuff is, is great. It's, it's exactly well judged. I think it is. It's so useful for parents getting kids interested in history. Mm. Uh, a friend of mine, Jerome de Groot, uh, ha- who wrote a brilliant book on public history called Consuming History. Hello, Jerome. Uh, up Hi, at Man- Jerome. Up at Manchester. You would love Jerome, by the way. Um, it's a great book, and he's got a he's got a chapter in there where he has a section on history books for children, and he he talks about the way in which horrible histories work, and in some ways, horrible histories is subversive. Right. So basically, you pity the poor teachers in the uh, classrooms, yeah. and teachers do a wonderful job trying to sort of explain things. And and I know as a, as a lecturer, you know, the last thing you want is the sort of the smart aleck at the back of the lecture theatre raising a hand, having just googled, you know, some fact. I think you'll find, you know, yeah. and, and, and what basically what horrible histories is doing is it's arming kids with all these amazing facts. Yeah. Go, miss, miss, is it true that Henry VIII only, had, you know, I mean, you can imagine, you can imagine one of the kinds of things. Is it true that the Romans wiped their bottoms on leaves? <laughs> <laughs> But it's brilliant because it's, it is you know, brilliant. History it, history should be playful and it should be. No, I, 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 it should I, make I you think. Agree in that with way. you more, and, and I find it quite dispiriting and disappointing that a lot of the audiences I come across as a public historian yeah. expect their history to be very serious. Yeah, and it's quite important. It's quite dour, and actually, yeah. I mean, for some people, history—it's all about oppression. It's all about slavery. It's all about wrongs that needed yeah. to be need to be righted, yeah. and, and that's fine. Other people just expect their history to be straight and yeah. completely straight yeah, up yeah. and down, and quite traditional, serious, quite serious of, yeah. and traditional. Yeah. I think that yeah. anything worse, actually. Yeah. But I certainly come across more people like that than I do people who think it's a bit silly and a bit fun. And I'm not yeah. talking in a horrible histories way. I suppose I'm talking in the way that we deal with history when we sit around and have a laugh and say, actually, all right, well, you can write a history of dust yeah. or you can yeah, yeah. write a history of leaving. History of dust is very serious, very serious topic. <laughs> it, can be, it can be very silly. No, not done by us. No. <laughs> I mean, I want to be serious for a moment, though, because I think we're looking at a kind of history book that is is entirely entertaining. But I think also if you look at the way in which history across history has been taught in schools across different cultures, and you mm-hmm. think about Nazi Germany, you think about Stalinist Russia, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of history that is taught, you know, in many ways is building those kind of cultural foundational blocks yeah. of a, you know, a mindset, a historical I knowledge. I know nothing of, about that, but I'd people. be fascinated but, to read it. You know, what were kids of, taught the in the of, year three of the French Revolution? Yeah. I'd love yeah. to know that. And during the reign of terror. Yeah. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, you just look at how the, the national curriculum has changed over the last 30 years or so, you know, as we enter Europe, as we sort of move away from Europe, as we're, you know, becoming more multicultural and, you know, the kinds of sort of global history or British history or, you know, all of that is, is very influential. One of the interesting things as, a, as somebody who's interested in women's history and gender history, and it's something I've been passionate about for for years did my PhD on, is the degree to which women's history is taught and talked about. And I've been doing, as part of a part of some, a research project, been doing some work with um, a woman in Sweden, uh, Baroness Alexandra von Schwerin, who has a wonderful exhibition uh, in her castle, as you do being a baroness, on the powerful women within her family. And what's extraordinary is the way in which she's using that as a vehicle to try and change the way in which Swedish society teaches women's history. Yeah. So trying to get it into onto the curriculum, into textbooks. And I have here um, a brilliant book that I bought for my kids recently. Uh, it's by Bloomsbury, mm-hmm. by Kate Pankhurst. Mm-hmm. And I think she's probably related to some of the Pankhursts, so the suffragettes. Right. Um, and it's called Fantastically Great Women Who Changed the World. We're so often, what we get is a digest of male sort of historical heroes, but this is... Who a, are those? Who's she? I will open them up. And so we've got here um, Frida Kahlo, the painter, um, Mary Anning, the woman who discovered fossils, Jane Austen, the, the novelist, or Coco Chanel, Emmeline Pankhurst. Yeah. Uh, so Anne Frank, we mm. all know about Anne Frank and her diary. And Amelia Earhart, so a sort of an, an adventurer. And, and you know, a whole range of people. So it's trying to, it's it's giving... That's an excellent... In sort of accessible... Is that recently of, published? It's recent, recently published, yes. I picked it up at the Science Museum in Bristol. Okay. Have you been at Bristol? Yes. Brilliant. Science, yeah. Science Museum. You should all go. Uh, and they have... They have this wonderful book here. And again, it's done in sort of little bite-sized pieces. Yeah. So Gertrude Adel, um, who was a, a channel swimmer in 1920s teenage Olympic medal-winning swimming sensation. Coco Chanel, um, the, the sort of fashion person. Frida Kahlo here, uh, famous for the unibrow. <laughs> have you never seen the, the film, Frida? No. Frida? Um, Marie Curie, uh, who, who we all know about. Uh, Mary Anning, there we are, the finding uh, finder of fossils. Um, so I've got a question. Yes. It's re- I, I'm really interested in things like this. Do you think it's okay to slip in a fake one? Well. Like Mary Poppins. 
Do you think that's okay? No, not you, do, you don't think it's no, okay. No, but I am normally. Do you think it's okay if you if you slip in a fake one like that? But say in the book, one of these is made up uh, to get people. I to suppose go and... if you got pe- if you got people to to sort of go and do that, yes, yeah, I suppose you're not convinced. Are you? Well, no, that, no, I think I can think about great hoaxes like that. There was yeah. that. Um, there are loads. There was that book on Nat Tate. Mm. Um, I really into the... historical hoaxes. Really? Yeah, I would like to do a hoax TV program. Mm. Nice. Genuinely make something nice. Up. You could reveal it at some point because it's all yeah, to, it's yeah. still would playful of um of what what is acceptable, what is accepted, yeah. what people believe, what where your authority lies as a spokesperson for history. So you you can do it in two ways. One is you can tell a pretty well known story and slip in a couple of fake facts, or you can do a completely made up story. I think it would be be difficult to get past the commissioners, quite frankly. Nat Tate was the American artist. Uh, supposedly dated 1928 to 1960, which was actually a novel written by William Boyd. And um, it was written a few years ago. And I remember the way in which they presented it. And David Bowie sort of stood up and was sort of saying, yeah, well, oh, you invented you know, someone. I, I, yeah, basically invented, right. I, I, you know, when I remember, you know, that tape, blah, 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 blah. And it totally made up. And really? then you got all these sort of art critics who were saying, yeah, they're wonderful work. Yeah, brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. And... Total and utter hoax. And it just takes the authority of someone like David Bowie to say... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. You need somebody like that, and then and then suddenly it becomes, you know, it's convincing. You've got that sort of authentication behind it. Yeah. What, what, what hoax would you do? I don't know. I am too interested in it to even... Yes. ...even think to about even, it in a playful way. Or even would, divulge it. To even divulge it, it. Otherwise it wouldn't be... Yeah. Flaps. But I I'm like, sorry, I mean, I, before we you like go on to talk flaps, about flaps, I don't like... The position, don't you like? as a historian, that people immediately believe everything I say. As a historian, there has to be a great deal of qualification. So the, 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 the yeah, kind of yeah. the broad point here is yeah. about being a historian is that yeah. is that this is it's more or less my best guess. There are some parts in history we don't know what yeah, everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. but uh, certainly in TV history and often in books as well, what the publishers want or the commissioners want is straight facts. You can't constantly hedge yourself and say right. if you only think about this on Tuesdays and it only happened in yes, Sweden yes. during the Austrian Swedish conflict of 1633. Yes, yes, yes. You can't do that. You fundamentally can't do that in public history. Yeah. But that means that that a lot of the things that are said in yep, history yeah, yeah, and are assumed yep. to be true good, are good. not necessarily true. It's one of the things I don't like about being a public historian. It makes me feel very uh, uncertain and unsettled. And it also gives you a great deal of power because you could say something and you could put it out there on Twitter or on a blog or a vlog and I could make it up. Or I could be just talking off the top of my head and it might not be true. And I think a huge warning needs to be yeah. be given there yeah. with this even the very best historians yeah, they are yeah. working with limited information and yeah. it's what they currently think and they can change their mind it's completely fine for them to change their mind within a week within a month i mean that's back to what we were saying about dumbing down as well yeah earlier on i think the skill of communicating something in a very simple way requires you to distill so much kind of nuance and variation and variety and to be able to to synthesise it in a particular way. So, you know, across Europe, such and such happened. Whereas, yeah, you know, Europe as a sort of, you know, much more complex entity, the picture becomes... The moment you start questioning and questioning and questioning and questioning, it just, the whole thing just falls apart. Yeah. Your history does completely fall apart and you end up not being able to say anything about anything. But what I really like, I brought a couple of books as well. Good. And then, um, then I'll talk about flaps. Okay. I love books with flaps. These are... Um, oh, nice. So, so th- th- what we're doing is we're talking about this border between fiction or outright fantasy or things that are made up 
and history. Hmm. Okay, and I think... What have you got here, Sam? Well, th- these are two of the most inspirational books for me uh, hmm. when I grew up. So so we have Asterix here. This is Asterix and Cleopatra. I just grabbed it. It is still in the loo by our downstairs loo. Um, and, uh, you know, it's brilliant. But absolutely fantastic. The introduction, the year is 50 BC. Gaul is entirely occupied by the Romans. Well, not entirely. <laughs> One small village of indomitable Gauls still holds out against the invaders and life is not easy for the Roman legionaries who garrison the fortified camps of Tutorum, Aquarium, Laudanum and Compendium. Still <laughs> excellent names. And then... You see, if you know nothing about Asterix, I should think lots of people know a lot about Asterix. But the one thing you know is that you have a little kind of adventurous person, like a little warrior called Asterix. Then you have this kind of monstrous guy called Obelix who carries stones around. Um, you know, these are the, these are the kind of the stones that were used to build Stonehenge and things like yeah, that. You know. Yeah. Um, then you've got a druid, and you've got a chief, and you've got a bard. Yeah. Cacophonix which is the best name, and, and Vital Statistics, the chief, and you've got Getafix, who makes potions and basically drugs <laughs> everyone up to the eyeballs. So if you remember nothing about this, you will remember that in France, which might surprise some people if they didn't know that, in France there were Romans. Yes. Not only were there Romans, yes. but there were Gauls who were living under Roman rule. Not only that, but Roman rule was not necessarily strong all over Gauls. These are the really important, quite subtle points to make about the, the Roman um, invasion of Gaul. Then you realise there are different types of people. No women, unfortunately. Uh. Uh, certainly not in this um, the main the main list. There are women. In this one, obviously, there's Cleopatra. But you'll realise there are warriors. There are people carrying around huge stones and setting them up places. Um, there are druids. There are chiefs. And there are bards, there are people who sing, there are people who entertain, there are people who are worried about health, there are people who fight, there are people who are in charge, and there are people who live there. And that is amazing, I think. And you don't need to Franco go Franco-Roman history in a nutshell. It is Franco-Roman history in a page. And yes. there, there are... Uh, God knows how many asterisk books there are. Someone get in oh, touch tons, and tell tons, me. Tons. But um, just by reading them and getting into them, kids will know those simple, really important facts about the Roman occupation of Gaul. I mean, how cool is that? And then this one by uh, Tommy Ungerer, who's one of the most magical kids' authors, um, called The Three Robbers. Now, this little book here inspired two entire BBC TV series, which I presented. One was uh, The History of Weapons, and the other is The History of Outlaws. So Mm. it's about... It's a brilliant story. It's about these three robbers who um, do quite a lot of kidnapping and bad stuff. And um, it's all about their... The, it's beautifully illustrated with their weapons. The first of the robbers had a blunderbuss. The second had a pepper blower. And the third had a huge red axe. They want the pepper blower for. In the dark of night, they walked the roads, searching for victims. And then this is what they did. To stop carriages, the robbers blew pepper in the horses' eyes. With the axe, they smashed the carriage wheels. And with the blunderbuss, they threatened the passengers and plundered them. Anyway, they do a lot of stealing gold. They end up stealing a child. It all gets a bit dark. But yeah, that's, I, I've always loved the story. And it inspired me to make a series about the history of weapons and a series about um, the history of that's where all, That's where they both came from. Yeah. And I, well, th- those really appeal to me because they're not... Those appeal to be more than horrible history books. Right. I'm much right. happier with someone being really playful and making stuff yes. up, yes. but inspiring people about history somehow. So this is all about horses and carriages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's about people in castles. It's about strongholds. It's about trade. It's about money, economy. Um, it's about rules. It's about law. It's about people living outside of the law. It's about people living outside of society. It's mm. about homeless. It's, it's brilliant. But it's all wrapped up in a made-up story. Yeah. Um, so th- those two appeal to me much more than... And historical fiction works in that way. You it know, does. I think 
That's, yes. Yeah. But sometimes you get confused. I, th- I used to think yeah. The yeah. Hobbit was an actual real history of Wales. <laughs> <laughs> But it's based on Anglo-Saxon England. Yeah, um, it's not. Just to let you know, the Hobbit is not a uh, is a, a true history of Wales. I wish it was. That'd be brilliant. Flaps. Yeah, go on. Books with flaps. Yeah. Are you a fan of books with flaps? Fan of pop-up books. Is that the same thing? Is that what you're going to go? Kind with? of. Kind of. I mean, there's no pop-up. I've just noticed a lot of books by the Usborne flap book series, and there's this amazing. They, they kind of you remove a flap Britain, and it reveals yeah. something. You remove the flap. So, for example you know, early Britain, and then you can have a look inside. As you can see, this has not been read yet. Mm. It's a sticky flap. <laughs> None of the books. Um, and, but basically, you've got here a early Britain house, an Anglo-Saxon great hall. Oh, you lift it up. You maybe. lift the flap, yeah. and then you look inside, and it's the picture is revealed. And I think what kids like about this, and there's a whole series of these, what they like about it is the ability to sort of explore further. Yeah. Playing um, with a book, interactive discovery book on, on the castle here. This is one of my favourites. Uh, um, I'm a bit cynical it, about books on castles. I'm sure you are, but I bet this this would, had you read this before your series Let on me have castles, a look at this, please. Um, this would have inspired you. Be careful with it. Okay, well, I'm not going to read it. What do you like about this? Well, I like the the fact that it has flaps, <laughs> and you can see every aspect of it. This, for example, um, walled in. And you look, you suddenly open it all up and you can see inside the okay, castle all yeah. the different bits. Living you can see what castle. it's like flying as a, you know, being a knight and doing a joust and training as a kid and, mm. and go say, on, critique it now. No, no, I don't want to do that. I want to see it was written by, it was written by someone. Mm. Yeah, I don't want to, to rip holes in it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it's very difficult to do. But uh, this is this is anyway. He likes the flaps. So I like the flaps. The They're quite fun. There's lots of things. They're all like someone injured from a flying arrow. That's quite good. Uh, does it tell me at least what period of castle this is supposed to be? Is it, okay, so we, we had castle. castle. Yeah, what does that mean? Come on. Well, medieval. So well, we, there's a great know, deal of difference I know, from I know, a castle I know. built by Henry VIII and I know. Yes, I know. William the Conqueror. They should have at least given a date. This is a rough idea of a castle in 1230. It looks like. A French castle in the mid 14th century. You should have written this book. You should have written it. <laughs> yes. Would you have designed flaps? Yes, definitely. Yes, yes, and and pop up things. Good. Yeah, that I'd have had a kind of like a working pop up trebuchet. Gosh, are we done on children's books? Do you think? Uh, do we have anything more to say? Well, just that they're extremely important for uh, getting your kids involved in history. You know that that after all is what we want with this you know we're not looking to sort of force history down people's throats but there's actually an important social mission here that people should be knowledgeable about the past and not just the past of their own country but they should be knowledgeable about the past in you know around the world and you know and be able to distinguish different cultures and different periods and see how we have arrived at where we where we have arrived today and that, well, that places a really big burden on publishers. Yes. Okay, so so yes. you can't just publish history books for children and hope they make you loads of money. You've got to p- publish stuff that's true <laughs> to start with, or it's very obviously fiction, like Asterix or The Three yeah. Robbers. Yeah. But make them as playful as possible. And I would like to see books with flaps for adults. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I'd like pop-up books for adults. The sole 
of this modern thing in colouring books, right? You know, the kind of colouring in books and mindfulness. It, it's good that adults... Are colouring in. Are colouring yes. in. I think that's a great thing. Yeah. Um, and I don't see any difference with making kids which are traditionally for children, books that are traditionally for children for adults. I mean, that, that Castle's book, I wanted to go through it and open up all the flaps. Yeah. I'm not yeah, yeah, eight, yeah. I'm yeah. 40. Yeah. You know, someone they make me good. a book with They're... flaps. Someone make me an adult pop-up book, please. What, on what subject? A rude one. No, no, no. <laughs> Let's leave it there. Um, that was the uh, us thinking about um, books. Ch- children's books. Children's children's history books. Uh, if you enjoyed us, please listen to our other episodes on how to be a historian and also our crazy chats about history of, of unexpected subjects. Like we've done the history of zombies and dragons and leaning, haven't we? We have. And gloves yeah. and farts and um, toilets. True. Very Kids would like those ones. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr Sam Willis. And you can follow me at James Daybell. And you can follow Histories of the Unexpected at Unexpected Pod. And um, we're proud to be part of the uh, History Hits podcast ne- network. Yes, we certainly are. Um, and if you want to find out more about our show and other History Hit shows, go on to historyhit.com and you can find us at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected. Bye! Bye. If you enjoy this podcast and you like learning about the past, check out my latest venture. It's called History Masterclass, and it's a new type of historical event where you can actually learn in person from the best historians around today in unique and stunning historical locations. You can find out more at thehistorymasterclass.com and follow on Facebook and Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Twitter, at the History MC.